Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. hear his word that's already anointed that he would anoint us anoint our minds our hearts we can hear and understand and retain this word because it's not all about right now it's about this upcoming week and the days and God knows what we're going to face and what we're going to need so I pray that God would touch everything that we're going to do or say or whatever, those out back, the ministries of this church, hallelujah, let's pray for God, we love you today. Father, we thank you. We have the opportunity, Lord God, to open this book and to study one more time. God, I know that this word is anointed. I know that it is the breath of heaven, Lord God, that's landed on this page. So I ask you right now, Lord God, as we look into it, that you would have your way. That you would anoint our minds, Lord God. Let this day's activity, Lord God, everything that shouldn't be there, Lord God, remove, I pray, touch us. Anoint our Sunday school teachers, Lord God, and our ministers, God, touch us. We want the mind of Christ, Lord God, to settle on us, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Lord God, as we look into this, Lord God, and strengthen us, Lord God. We thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for your holy word, for it is the nourishment that will literally save our soul, and we thank you for it. For it is the peace of God unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. This series that we started, Brother Boyd, started it last week. It's the heart of worship. This week is going to be um, the, my part in this is titled The Expression of Worship. It's going to be. The character is mainly speaking of David, but it's referring to when he brought the ark back to Jerusalem. So, but one verse, um, there's actually two verses that I want to read that's, um, and people, I believe, takes a, a different view of the Old Testament, and I can sort of relate to that because they look at it like we live in the New Testament era, but I have probably leaned a whole lot more because I simply love the illustrations that's in the Old Testament. And I've always just said, and I believe this, and I'm not saying this because of what I'm fixing to read, because everything in this Bible is for a purpose. Everything in it we can obtain knowledge from. And I know we don't go to the temple and offer sacrifices but it would not be in here if it was not for a reason. So I believe a lot of people, when you come to church and you tell them you're taking scripture from the Old Testament, they say, why? Why? We live in the New Testament era. 
Why are we studying something from this? But the people that God has anointed that we're part of has chosen this. So I do not second guess that. Our lesson today is on the expression of worship. This is something like speaking of prayer. You will never get too much of. And literally, in our worship, it is just literally, I would just boil it down to this. You're just being thankful. It's not of a God that just made us and he says, and he's like the old puppet, you're just dangling on a string and says, now dance for me. No, it is a creation that God literally desired relationship with. And once that uh, creature saw that how much that God literally loved him, it is a thankfulness for what God has did for him and everything that God does for him that he can have knowledge of. And there's so many things that God does for us that we do not have knowledge of. But it's just an attitude of thankfulness. But in the Bible, 1 Corinthians, Paul, he says this. Now, we know a lot. Our go-to verse in 1 Corinthians 10 is, There is no temptation taking you but such as common to man. Okay, 10.13, we go to that. Okay, but I want to read the two verses that precedes that. That would be 10 and 11. So verse 11 says it like this. Now what he's talking about, he's, he's given examples. You would really need to start all the way back up in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at 1 and read all of this all the way to 10. And now we get to 11. And he says, now all these things happen unto them for examples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come verse 12 therefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall so Paul tells us here all these things happen to them for examples In other words look at what happened to them what I would relate that to what Paul is saying, just as you would take a child or a loved one or if you're witnessing someone you're talking to that's going down something similar that you have went down, you would sit down and say, let me tell you a story of where I was. Because when he said, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. In the Greek, that take heed He's not saying, like, take heed. We're thinking, like, watch out. That isn't what it means. Take heed is to see. So Paul is saying, you need to see what they went through. And then when you were standing, if you will see what they went through, then you will not fall. If you don't take knowledge of what the problems and where they fell, if you think this is just Old Testament, it's just words on a page, and you don't look at it like this is the holy anointed God's word, and they are written for our admonition, we are being admonished to take this as an example. They failed. Why did they fall? Paul said, you need to see this, because if you don't, you're liable to fall. So that's why he's saying, that's why he said, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, see, see what these examples are. So that's why he said, lest he fall. In other words, 
if you will just look at the examples that God has given us, and he used Israel. Now, I'll read one more, and then we'll go to our lesson. He said in Romans 15 and 4. Now, Romans 15 and 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime was written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, he is saying, we have it, we know it, we see it, and it was written to give us hope. So he takes and he says, this is our example. All these examples that we have, all this is written literally just to give us hope. God is saying there is a way out. When you get into situations, that's why I've said, when you literally don't know what to do, open the Bible and read about yourself. Because I promise you, you're in there. There is situations, hundreds of situations that in this Bible, if you allow God to direct you, there's pages after page after page of situations of examples that's in this of people faced. We're all human. It don't matter what time we was born. We're all humanity of situations in this Bible where people felt and they literally had their back up against a wall that did not know what to do and God gave them the ability to come out of that. So Paul was saying, we have them. If we will see the situations that they was in, we don't have to fall. We don't have. Just as if you would tell your son, I want you to see what the situation I was in. See where I was at. You don't have to fall in the same pitfall that I fell in. Just see, do you see what I'm saying? You would tell them, see this. So that's what he was saying. Now, where we're at today, the expression of worship, it speaks of um, Saul, excuse me, it speaks of David. He's taken the ark and he's bringing it back. And I really, I really don't, the first time, I really don't know what happened. I really don't know. But when you go all the way back to the first time that David did this, um, the Bible says that he just takes in Second Samuel, we started. In Second Samuel, the, it's got a lot of scripture. I probably won't read it all, but... 2 Samuel 6, but in 1 Samuel 6, it's, remember that's where Eli, when Eli dies, the, the Philistines capture the ark and the ark was taken. So the ark is held by the Philistines a long time. Some says 50, some says 70 years, but we'll just say they had it a long time. David decides it's time to bring the ark to Jerusalem. So he takes, he brings this. And he gathers some men, the Bible says, in 2 Samuel 6. So he's taken, he says, I want to gather a few of the boys. We're going to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. The Bible says he has 30,000 men. And I believe this was, this was my estimation. I believe this is man's attempt to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. So he just takes, he in literally... Before he starts to do this, though, I want you to notice one thing that happened. When the Philistines 
capture the ark. They take, they set it up in their temple, so to speak. They set it upside Dagon. The next morning they go back in. The Bible says that Dagon has took a face plant. So they bring him back, set him back up, set this idol back up. They come in the next morning. And what they don't realize is it's not only happened again. And I know this is early, but this is Bible. His head and the Bible says the palms of his hands were cut off. This time the Lord guillotined his head and the palm of his hands. And I believe why that's unique is because when you read in scripture, when Israel worshiped, they worshiped like this. We worship like this. In our day, I, I, really, I really don't think it matters, but when Israel worshiped, they worshiped with palms up. So God said, how dare you set an idol up to me that can't give me worship and can't give me praise. So the Bible says, I'm in the book, the Bible says I'll cut his head off, and he did, and the palms that would give me praise, when they went back in there, now he got their attention this time. He had no palms and he had no head. So that got their attention. Maybe we need to do something. So a lot has happened then. So David comes back up. That brings us back. David wants to bring the ark back. But I don't know if because so many years had went by why everything went wrong in the first attempt. So David's going to bring the ark back. He took, he says, you know, let's get the man. He's got 30,000. He takes, he, I don't know if he commissioned somebody to build a new ark, uh, uh, a new cart, but he builds, they build a new cart and they said, man, that thing really looks good. Let's set it on a new cart and let's bring it back to where it really belongs, to the temple. So he's bringing it back and then we know that, we all know the story. The oxen stumble and then God kills one of the, the men that it, it, it had been there. So he took, now... The Bible says that the Philistines, when they carried the ark, they carried it on a new cart. Now, this is something, if you try to love God, and this is something that we hear. We hear from the world. Well, they do it, and nothing happens to them. Okay? We are God's anointed. I don't care how the world does it. God is going to expect more from his anointed. They could haul it on a new cart, and I believe it was pure and simple mercy that God allowed them to do it. You, my beloved, put it on a new cart, and it's going to cost you your life. They put it on a new cart, and God said, I will have none of it. They put it on the cart, they took, they, they drove it, and then they... You know, God said, I, I, I won't do this. So then David said, you know what? He goes, the Bible says David was scared of the Lord that day. God got his attention after just, I really, I, I just really wish I know or knew what happened. David, a man after God's own heart that knew the law, I believe. Did he lean so much to the, as we would say, to the world? Well, they did it like that and nothing happened. 
Let's just compromise and let's do it like that. I don't know. But God showed them just what he thought about it. So the next time we want to compromise, let's remember these examples God gave us. Do not compromise. It's going to cost somebody their life if we compromise. God said, do not do it. So he's bringing it back, and then he takes, and he's, we salt, and God gets, the Bible says he gets two priests and six of the Levites. And he says, the first time we tried this, this is Bible, the first time we did it, we did not do it after due order of the Lord. We didn't follow the law, in other words. David said, this time, we will follow the law. We will follow God's ordained word in doing this. So they did that. So we must do what is right. So he's following this, and so he takes, and he's telling them that we got to do this. So at the tabernacles, uh, at the consecration of the tabernacle, one thing that's, that's interesting to me, is that when Moses was delegating out wagons, if you look at the tabernacle, a lot of furnishings went into it. It took a lot to move the tabernacle. So, the Bible literally says that Moses issued out wagons and oxen unto the tribe of Levi for the moving of the tabernacle. But, the part of the Levites that moved the, the, literally the ark was the Kohathites. That was the part of the Levites that literally carried. And this is what the Bible says. I don't know if I gave them this verse, but it's number 7-9. But unto the sons of Kohath he gave none, speaking of wagons, because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders... You should carry this. You should carry this. Now, what did the ark represent? It represented the very presence of God. That is a type of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. We carry that. God said, or Moses told him, you will not have a wagon. Your responsibility is to the tribe of Levites is to carry this. Well, everybody else has wagons. We want a wagon. No, God said, you bear this weight. And Moses said, you will not receive a wagon and you will receive no oxen. That is Bibles. That's in Numbers. You can find this. So they took, and I believe, and I've always believed, and what I'm fixing to do is not for dramatic purposes. I'm just trying to show you that I believe this is what changed the pace. This today is on the expression of worship of David. And I believe this was what changed it. The Bible says that when the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw the king David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. I believe David just at some point 
when you read, you can read in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 15 parallels where the Chronicle chronicled this. 1 Chronicles 15 has the same story. But what he is telling them, David went to the priest, he went to the Levites, and he says, you have got to sanctify yourself and those responsible with you, you must get them in order. And when he did that, he is still wearing the king's robe. So they're bringing it up. David starts to look around. I can just see it. And what he is seeing is everyone has a worship garment on but him. He's the only one standing there that don't have a linen ephod on. So as he's going to the city, they said, Michael, his wife, David Saul's daughter, looks out the window and says, don't you do it. Don't you take that off. You're going to uncover yourself. Now, there is nothing degrading about what David did. But in his wife's eyes, how dare you take off the kingly robe and put on the linen ephod? You can't do that. You are king. But David said, you're wrong. I'm not uncovering myself. What I am doing is showing God that when they carry the ark, I am a lover and a worshiper of God. That's what I'm doing. And Michael despised him in her heart. I believe she didn't want him to do it. That all she saw David as was a king. It was not as a true worshiper and a lover of God. So he took this and he just said one thing that we've always said that God, God would give us strength. I believe that. But I believe it goes beyond that. And, and, it, and the Bible says that when the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that David stopped. Now, one verse, if I can find it, is in First uh, Chronicles uh, 15. It is First Chronicles 15, 26. Now, when life gets heavy, I want you to remember this verse. First Chronicles 15, 26. And it came to pass, when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. Now, and what I mean by that is this. The first time that they tried to carry the ark, they didn't follow the law. The man with a good intention a good intention. The most precious thing they had was fixing to fall. And he put his hand to stop it and God struck him dead. Now, David anointed, worshiping God, said, I tell you what we're going to do. Ever six paces. Now, I'm always a numbers man, but you don't have to be a numbers man to follow me here. Why did David choose six? I'm in the Bible here. Six is the number of men. So I'm going to put it like this. Why did David choose six? I don't know. But I'm going to say it on this pathway, on the pace of life. David just complicated the things a whole lot more. Because he said ever six paces, we're going to stop and we're going to worship God. And I'm sure they're thinking, David... <laughs> You just up the risk factor a whole lot more because we've got this going. Why do you want to stop it? And David said, you don't understand. God desires and demands worship. 
And we have got the most precious thing. And in this pace, and in the pace of life, we will stop and give God the worship that is due Him. So ever six paces, God stopped, or David stopped the process. And then, and I believe the two things that we can learn from this today is the Bible says that God helped the Levites that bore the ark. One, God literally gave them divine strength to carry the ark. He did. Now, the second thing we gave that he gave them that I believe that we can draw from, okay, God is the one that designed the statutes and the laws, everything we see. And when somebody says, Answer them with this. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just saying I believe this is a legitimate answer we can give the world. When somebody says, I can't live this, there's too many restrictions. Well, there's a lot I can say to that. But I'm saying I believe this is one. When they say, I can't live this, this is too hard. The Bible says that when God helped them, that they stopped ever six paces. Now, there's a lot of humanly possible that could went wrong. But I believe God anointed them so much they stopped every six paces and then started again. Every six paces they stopped and every six paces they stopped and God anointed them with the strength and the wisdom to carry that out with no errors. Nobody died. I'm telling you, in this time, you didn't give it one mistake. And that was it. And David knew it. That's why if I was handling the ark, I would have been so nervous. You mean you want to stop every six paces? And David said, that's right. We are stopping every six paces. And they said, you got to be kidding me. David said, no. God desires worship. And the Bible says that David danced with all his might. So I believe God anointed them with the ability. God, not, I believe if we could just simply say it like this. I'll give you this, the laws, the statutes that I demand. I'll give you the strength to carry them out. And I'll give you the anointing to fulfill them with no errors. Now, I believe that's what literally happened. He did this. Now, this was David saying... To Michael, this is not about me. I took off that king's robe. What this is about is Israel worshiping the Lord, giving ourselves to God. So he took and he done that. And Michael, when she looked through the window, she despised David. She didn't do this. And then we would know, and we would know from this lesson, speaking of David, Here's this little guy. Well, we look at him in that context when he went up to challenge Goliath. Here's this little redhead boy the Bible speaks of when he does this. But when he's out and he's taken and he's in the field and he's doing a job basically that nobody else wants, he's guarding the sheep. And But he knows and he's just looking around and But when he hears the roar of the lion, the first thing David thinks of is, I must protect the flock. So he does that. But the day that when he sees the runner coming towards him, I mean, literally, what would it be like when you see someone coming and you know that 
it's not just a run. It's a something is wrong run. So he's coming and he meets David. When he gets home, he noticed. And when he gets home, he sees everybody there. But the one person he sees is Samuel. And when he sees Samuel, he says, something is for sure up. But what would it be like when David finally realized that all his sons has done been went through and yet I've got one more. By the way, he's watching a few sheep, you know. As soon as soon as he got there, soon as he got there, he just knew. Samuel just, God told him, said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And I believe when he anointed him, God had given David the strength to protect the sheep, whatever the... Um, enemy that come in to try to take the sheep. I believe God had gave him strength, physical strength to ward off the enemy. So now, but this time when Samuel took the oil and poured it over him, I believe David knew this was different. This was different. It was going from a flock to people. It was going, it was going to be different. So they had took, the power of God came on David from that day. And literally, from that beginning, as we see God working in David's life, we see in. But one thing we know is God has always desired the worship of his creation. And he has done this. The Pharisees told Jesus to rebuke his disciples for their worship of, of, of him in Luke. But he said, I'll tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Regardless of how we feel or what's going on in our life, he is worthy. Revelation says he is a king of kings and lord of lords. And that takes discipline. Believe me, regardless of what's going on. I mean, I'm telling you, and I'll leave that alone. That takes discipline. It does. We need no additional reason to worship other than he is God and God alone and everything we have. And that he chose us, he's helped us, he's gave us strength. And the thing I love about God, he is no respecter of persons. Whatever we are in, whatever we go through, whatever our addictions may be, it does not matter. God is able to touch us, to strengthen us and... and, and and to give us and to help us, and he always will do that. Now, when we wake up, no matter, you know, I've always, I remember a long time ago, I said the only thing, I, I believe the only thing I've ever been addicted to is Coke. And then after saying that in a few minutes, I realized what I'd said. I, I come back and I said, Coca-Cola. Because <laughs> you really have to be careful. <laughs> So, um, but each day, truly, when we wake up and realize what God has done for us, we really have to be thankful for what God has done. And, you know, truly, there is no perfect person. You know, the pee's been washed off of my head for a long time, and I have a witness to it. So, we have to be thankful. What is evident on the inside should come out on the outside. And a lot of people on this earth worship many things, what they talk about, what their priorities are. The outward 
is just simply an expression of what's on the inside. The Webster defines expression as an act or a process or an instance or uh, an instance of representing in a medium such as words something that manifests, embodies, or symbolizes something, a significant word or f- phrase. Now, David didn't feel any reluctant when it came to worshiping the Lord. The Bible says, I don't believe it was only David worshiping when they was bringing the ark back. Yeah, I believe it was the whole, the whole group of worshiping. When you read of what, um, and then, I didn't mention this, but when you go back and when you read this, the first thing it mentions in the first attempt was there was 30,000 men. When you read of the second attempt, it tells you of all the musical people, of all the instruments. Other words, they did it right the second time. This was not about us the first time. Uh, the first time, this was about us in our attempt to bring it. The second time is let's do this. Let's give God the praise he deserves. And it was about worship. And he did that. And then we see that. But truly, what made Michael angry I truly believe is David removing his kingly garment. I believe she could not take that. That really got to her. And when David did this, she did. But David became expressive in his worship. The Bible says he danced before the Lord. The Bible says, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with a shout of the trumpet. Now, he did this with a visible demonstration that accompanied the Ark of the Covenant. Now, at this time, this was it. This was the most precious thing they had, literally. God said, I will meet with you between the cherubims. In other words, it didn't get any more sacred, any more holy than this item that they had. So that's why God was so strict concerning it that's why i'm saying this is another type of his spirit because that's what it embodied that's what it did it represented the spirit of god so he did this now david's worship was an outward expression of the jubilation he felt on the inside because just like god had got the attention of the philistines now god to Israel, in other words, if you had looked, you couldn't see nothing. It was the invisible presence of God. You couldn't see nothing. But I'm telling you, God had a way to get their attention. God could make it so miserable for them. In other words, when they had this item, it didn't take them long to figure out we have done the wrong thing. We have done the wrong thing. Now, When it comes to worship, not all people feel the same way. Not all people react the same way. And we're not saying not all people should react the same way. But what we are saying is they should be an expression of some kind. That's what we're saying. It is just truly of being thankful. And how that thankfulness proceeds is between you and the Lord. And it's just giving God thanks and praise and worship And everyone is different. And God knows it. And the good thing here is God knows us. He knows our personalities. 
He knows that some might like, and this is just a joke, he might know that some likes to walk the back of the pews, and some might just like to just raise their hands and say, God, I thank you. I thank you. And God knows, God knows the heart. He knows what you're given. He knows if you're emptying out yourself. God really knows. He knows. But there should be that an expression. Now, when when Michael did this, the one thing, and and I will just say, I will just say this. Um, in closing, um, or getting ready to. Let me find it. In Second Samuel six twenty three, when Michael does everything she does, David goes out, and I didn't read it, but David goes out and he blesses when he brings the ark home. Like I say, this this was such a joyous time in Israel. He goes out and he blesses everything. Now it's time to come home. And bless his home. When he gets home. Is when the one person that he expects. To bless. Turns on him. And just tells him. Says. You danced before the maidens. You uncovered yourself. You shouldn't have done that. And he said it was before the Lord. I danced before the Lord. If you think I tried, and, I, and pardon me, but I'm going to put this in our language. If you think I danced before the gals to show off, you're wrong. It was before the Lord that I opened myself up to. I took my robe off to worship the Lord. It was not to impress nobody but God. And she just literally just put David down. And so David wanted to come... And bless his home. But, and this is physical and I know it, but this is the Bible. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Now I know that's physical, but what I believe we can, we can use as an example for here right now is this. Whenever we do not give God the worship that he desires, and we don't have enough God or love of God in us, we will never reproduce ourselves in any other person. We'll never have enough love of God to do it because we'll never be able to win anyone else. We'll never be a soul winner because we don't have enough of the love of God. David said that Michael never, he went home to bless his home. She despised him. So how, if I do not love the very person that created me, how can I ever show enough love to someone else that I could ever hope to win them to the Lord when I myself don't even worship the God that created me? It's what I think. Anyway, so she takes and she does this and David can't even really even bless his home. So... In my estimation, that was very sad. That was very sad for David. So, I'll ask you to stand, if you would.
the one thing I want to just, the one thing I want to leave you with is this, Isaiah 49 and 16, and we've read it a lot. But Israel did worship with their palms up. And God, through his prophet, it said, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands, and thy walls are continually before me. Now, I don't know how he done this, but he said, I have not graven your name. I have graven thee. Don't ask me to explain that because I can't. I have engraven thee. I've put you on my palms. I can't explain that. I've put your essence. I've put who you are. I've asked you to lift your palms to me. But when life gets heavy and you've went six paces and it's time to worship, God said, all I do, all I've got to do is look right there. And there you are. So don't think I'm asking more of you because all I do is look right here and I got your name written right here. The expression of worship is just being thankful. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.